Hey guys, it's RJ and Angie, and this is the Rich by Intention podcast. Our guest today is Samia Elami. Samia is the creator of Flynance, an online platform that teaches ambitious nine to five women how to make travel a financial priority so that they can build wealth and claim the lifestyle they want. Fed up with her own challenges of living paycheck to paycheck and drowning in debt, Samia made the decision to become debt free in 2020 after paying off $23,000 of debt in 12 months. In this episode, we discuss how Sania grew her salary from $48,000 to $200,000 plus in less than five years and built a six-figure net worth by the age of 26. Later, we discuss practical ways to intentionally grow your income and build wealth with your 9 to 5. As always, thank you for tuning in to this episode. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and be sure to follow us on Instagram at Rich by Intention for money tips and motivation. Hey, Sania, how are you? Hey, how are you? I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited to have you on the podcast. For those who may not know you, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Of course. Hey, everyone. This is Sania El Amin. I am the founder of Flynance, an online platform that teaches ambitious nine to five hotties how to earn more, effortlessly build wealth, and do more of what they love. I am super passionate about showing other nine to fivers that it is possible to build wealth at work and still be able to find balance to prioritize whatever your vice is, right? For me, it's travel. So even as a product manager in tech, I've been able to prioritize wealth building, traveling around the world, and also creating this amazing platform. So I'm really here to show that there's really no one way to be a nine to fiver to be a young black woman in corporate America or in tech. So super excited for this conversation. Yes. No, we're so excited to get into it. You know, we love your platform, right? Thank like you're you. doing amazing things and sharing great content to like really just grow in their careers, level up in their careers, and just build wealth using using a nine to five, right? Because oftentimes we get so caught up and we don't realize that using our income that we make in our corporate jobs can generate that generational wealth that we all want to start accumulating, right? And so I'm just curious, like, how did you even get started wanting to build this platform and start educating, especially like young Black women about the possibilities out there to increase their income using their 9 to 5? Yeah. So when I started Flynance, this was not my focus. I was not talking about careers. I was not talking about leveling up in your 9 to 5. The idea for Flynance really came to me because I felt there weren't enough personal finance creators really talking to people like me who wanted to prioritize achieving financial goals and also doing things that we actually enjoy, like vacationing, right? I felt that I need to push against this narrative that you shouldn't be taking trips, you shouldn't be vacationing, you shouldn't be treating yourself as you're paying off debt or working to invest or paying off your mortgage or whatever that is. Because I just I felt like it was such limited advice, especially for Black folk, right? We know that our lives are too short and too precious to put off the things that we love because we're trying to achieve financial goals. So I really wanted to create a platform to show other young Black women that it is possible to have balance. Now, as Flynance grew, I've had to pivot. And one of the things that became really evident to me at the end of 2021 was that many people in my community wanted to take advantage of the things that I was sharing. Like, travel hacking, like the debt payoff strategies, like 
investing more at work, but they didn't know how to make more money. So it kind of dawned on me that I wasn't really doing my community a service of really showing them ways that they could earn more money, which turned into a whole other thing. So I would definitely say that finance has grown as a result of that pivot. So I'm super excited to be able to blend all of these topics I'm super passionate about together to show people that it is possible to not only earn more, but then turn that money, that flexibility into time freedom, financial freedom, and more of what they love. Yeah, what I love about what you do is that a lot of times in the finance, personal finance community, a lot of times it could be about deprivation to get ahead, right? Like depriving yourself of certain lifestyle choices in order to make progress on your financial goals. And one of the great things that you do is that you show people a way to still live life of luxury, if you will, like still be able to travel, still be able to do the things that as young millennial women, we want to do, but you teach us a way to like do it within our means, within, you know, even looking to generate income, more income so that we do more of the things that we want to do. Yeah. And then also it's important. We know that you can lower your budget, but you also can increase your income, right? And if you could do both, Mm -hmm. like your conscious and to value-based budgeting plus increase your income, like you can have the best of both worlds and not go to, you know, as people used to say, you know, beans and rice. Right. So one of the things, your story, you actually paid off debt. So you actually started your journey by getting your financial house in order. So can you just tell us more about that? Yeah. So when I was in my early 20s, I made a lot of money mistakes <laughs> and very much was living beyond my means and kind of had this come to Jesus moment where I was like taking the subway, commuting home from work. And I learned about FIRE through like an email subject line. For those that don't know, FIRE is financial independence, retire early. And that was the first time I'd ever heard of this concept of like everyday people being able to build enough wealth to be able to retire. And it just was like, oh, wow, this is a blueprint. I feel like I'm, oh, right. I feel like the heavens are blessing down on me. This is a blueprint. And I really felt like I was positioned to be able to take advantage of that. So I kind of just started with what I had. And at that point, it was like, let me go to Instagram and see who's talking about this kind of stuff. Who are the people that are talking about fire? Who's talking about paying off debt? At that point, I had credit card debt. I had student loan debt. I had some personal loan debt. And I just kind of started to just consume as much content as I could. And it kind of dawned on me that, okay, for me, I felt like I wanted to become debt-free to really accelerate my net worth growing, right? To really accelerate my wealth building. For me, I didn't have a ton of debt. So I really felt like it was something that I could accomplish if I really set my mind to it. So I would say this was like 2018, 2019. I was really just understanding how to live on a budget, really just how to understand how to track my money, how to track my spending, how to spend with more intention, which was not something I was doing before. I am a recovering overspender. So <laughs> for me, you know, I'm not the personal finance creator who is like, yeah, I'm always in frugal. I've, I am not frugal. <laughs> so for me, it has always been around learning how to spend with intention and focus on the things that I that I value over kind of that mindless spending that I that I kind of did in my early 20s. So for me it was kind of like I'd spent this 2019 kind of really digging deep, budgeting, kind of understanding how my money was kind of coming and going, definitely setting my sights on wanting to make more money of course. But 2020 came and I was like, hey, I really feel like I can do this. I can pay off this $23,000 of debt in one year and become debt free. Obviously, I had no idea the pandemic was going to happen. I had no idea what was on the horizon. But I just really felt like, hey, this is a stretch goal for me. But I feel like I can do it. And I did. So I did pay off 
$23,022 of debt in 12 months. So we came debt-free on December 31st, 2020. And it was a really exciting moment because it was a chance for me to really celebrate not only being consistent in my financial journey, but also being consistent with my content journey, right? That was that year I was building finance. I was talking about my debt freedom journey. I was documenting what was happening. I was putting my numbers up there. I was giving people all of the tea on my budget, how much I was spending, how much I was putting towards debt every month. So it was also a celebration for me to really celebrate being consistent as a content creator, which I know you know how difficult it can be, especially when you're being transparent around your money, especially when there's so much uncertainty happening in the world around you, just to keep going both on my financial goals and on on my content creation goals was a huge win. And as a result of doing that, I was able to then set myself up well to build a six-figure network by the next year. So by paying off that debt and then continuing to do the things that I preach about to my 9 to 5 hotties, like investing in my 401k, putting money into my Roth IRA, and just continuing to make those small habits over time, I was able to grow my net worth to six figures by that following year, by 2021. So now I kind of feel like my financial goals are more so on autopilot, right? I kind of more or less know how much I need to spend to stay in a comfortable savings rate for me. But I now my big focus is now growing as an entrepreneur, growing as a creator and entrepreneur, and now also learning how to manage sometimes inconsistent money, right? Like as an entrepreneur, you're not necessarily getting that steady paycheck month over month, week over week. For me, it's also now learning, okay, how do I find that balance between reinvesting the money that I make in my business and also putting that towards other opportunities to grow wealth or to scale my business? I love it. I love your journey, right? You have like a lot of different balls in the air. But one thing I want to hone in on is like during this period of you paying off debt and just accumulating wealth, I want to paint the picture for our audience because oftentimes, We see people, they do amazing things, they accomplish great goals, but it's not always what we think it is, right? Because you were making about $48,000 a year at one point in your career, but you were able to grow your income to over $200,000 a year in less than five years. Now, I know our audience wants to hear, how in the world did you do that? And what's the hacks? Like, Tell us how you did that. Yeah. So there there are a couple of things and, and maybe there are about four or five key things that I feel like I did. I think the first thing that I did was one, I had to get really comfortable with networking. And I know that can sound a little bit cliche, but I I want to remind people that those opportunities that you may be looking for may literally just be one person away from you, right? But until we kind of speak with conviction that this is the things that we want and these are the places that we want to be people can't work in our favor, right? So I mean, networking was the way that I landed my first job, even though I was only making $48,000 in 2017. The job was amazing, right? I was a junior product manager on a very high profile team at American Express. And I would have literally not been able to get that job, which then set up my trajectory as a product manager without networking. So I get that question all the time. How did you become a product manager? I networked my tail off for about a year. And at the end of that year, things just kind of align. So I think that's my first tip. I think my second tip is I developed in-demand skills. So I didn't always know it at the time, right? In 2017, I had no idea what the discipline of product management was, had no idea that the skills I was building 
would continue to be so in demand to today that allows me to make these job humps and continue to still generate a high income. But that's what I was doing. I was developing in-demand skills. So I think that is the biggest takeaway I want anyone who's listening to take from this conversation is whatever that pathway looks like for you, what right? whether you want to be in cybersecurity, whether you want to be in product management, whether you want to be in cloud computing, right? there are disciplines that are emerging and are continuing to grow where if you just sit down and whether that's join a boot camp, really hone in on your transferable skills and put yourself out there, or really just start learning, whether that's through free or low cost options, you can develop a skill set that can then allow you to generate a high income in the next six to eight to 12 months. So as I was you know, working at companies like American Express, I was on the job learning skills that were allowing me to grow my career as a product manager, which as I then started to look around, as I grew at, at my career at American Express and at other companies, I realized like, whoa, like I could be making a lot more money out here the more that I continue to put myself out there and kind of be open to change. I think the third thing that that's really critical to my journey that I don't think a lot of people really understand is that I had to really be adaptive and open to change, right? I think it sounds really sexy and obviously I'm a content creator, so I know how to paint the picture around money and really make it exciting for people. But it's extremely difficult to job hop as much as I've had and continue to develop, still have strong professional acumen, continue to still put out your best work. And I, I know that a lot of people are not really kind of willing to do that work to change companies every 12 to 18 months, learning completely new organizations, learning completely new people, new processes, new work. It can be difficult, but I mean, the payout is substantial, right? Because I've been able to make a lot of money in a short amount of time, but that doesn't come without sacrifices in terms of putting myself in a position where I had to continually learn and relearn everything. And I would say kind of like the fourth and fifth tip are one, just about being really intentional, right? Like it's not as if I've just kind of cherry picked and said, oh, now I feel like moving, right? I have had a vision for what it is that I wanted to do, the money that I wanted to make. And I think that has continued to propel me forward. So, you know, even as I thought about my previous roles when I worked in finance, I think my goal was always I want to venture into tech because I know the benefits that can come with working in tech. I want equity. I want some of these other vehicles that are going to allow me to continue to build wealth without me just having to rely on my salary alone. And I knew I just couldn't get that working in traditional finance. So those are the kind of the things that I felt like I've always kind of kept with myself that no one had to tell me, right? I knew for myself the kind of money that I wanted to make, the type of freedom I was working towards, and the type of career that I wanted to build. And yeah, sometimes people didn't get it, right? I had plenty of mentors and sponsors at previous companies I worked at that are just like, why are you leaving? Like, you're doing career suicide. Like, you're way too young to jump. And I, I just kind of had to have my own conviction that I'm following a path that only maybe I can see, but I know that it's going to create tenfold for me. And I think the last tip is really just around, again, willing to pivot. Especially in the Black community, we have been taught this idea that we should continue to stay in these places where we can show our loyalty, right? We're accumulating all of these degrees. We're working at companies where they are getting the best of our work and we're not being paid substantially for it. So for me, I've had to really understand for myself when it is that I'm being breadcrumbed in my career and when there really are true opportunities for growth for me. And I think as I talk to more Black professionals and even my peers, 
many of us have these stories, right? Where we have managers who make these promises like, yeah, we're going to promote you in the next six months. Yeah, just keep doing what you're doing. You're doing great. The promotion is on the horizon. And then we're not able to hold those people accountable or those people leave. And, and now we are kind of stuck with what's left in the wake. And I think if more of us really understood that we do have significant power to right, to advocate for ourselves and create the careers that we want. And sometimes that means pivoting and leaving companies behind. More of us would be able to take advantage, I think, of what our peers have been doing for decades. They've been job hopping. They have been kind of really being strategic about growing their career. As a result, they're becoming everyday millionaires. They're able to be a part of these companies that become unicorns, so to speak, and allow them to generate massive amounts of wealth. And I want more of our community to be able to do that too. So that was a super long answer. But I think those are probably like the five key things that I think have made it possible for me to be able to grow my career and my income so quickly at such a young age. Yeah. One of the biggest things that you actually said was being able to pivot being able to do the work necessary to change firms or change careers, like that is work in itself. And I think sometimes when you see it on social media, it's like, oh yeah, this is something that you can do. And a lot of people think it's easy, but there's a lot of your mindset shift has to change, right? And you're constantly learning, right? Yeah. The One of the benefits of jumping multiple jobs is that you're learning different ways companies do business, which would in the end makes you more exactly. dangerous or, or valuable to whatever company you go after that because you're accelerating your learning that you probably wouldn't do staying at the same company. And if they're behind in a certain segment or technology, then you could have messed out. And then another thing that you said is like, if your boss leaves or you know one of your sponsors leaves, like you put all this equity into one person where instead of knowing your outside value, you can leverage that either internally or externally. And that just gives you more potential in the long term. Yeah. And I love what you said about networking because networking is so key. And I know a lot of us don't like to put ourselves out there, but as careerists, as people who want to go up the corporate ladder, it's a necessary evil. It's not evil, but you know what I mean? Like it's a necessary evil. Like you have to learn the skill of networking and building relationships because like you said, your next opportunity can be one person away. And it's just up to you to have those conversations with people internally at your current company, but also externally, right? Just to learn about more about your industry, learn more about career paths that you didn't even think were possible for you. What I also love about what you said was in-demand skills, that we have to grow in-demand skills. We can talk a little bit more about that because I think a lot of times we don't necessarily know what that means, right? Like what exactly is an in-demand skill that will get you to jump hundreds of thousands of dollars in income in your career? Yeah. So when I think about in-demand skills, I am thinking about those, whether it be transferable, technical, or tangible skills that allow you to have a flexibility when it comes to career options that, that you can take. So for example, I think about myself as a product manager. All companies need product managers, right? So I am not just defined to one industry or one different type of company. I could work in finance. I could work in healthcare. I could work in software technology, right? There are an infinite amount of possibilities that I could take a skill set as a product manager and go into, right? You see a lot of people in C-suites who have product experience because at the end of the day, product managers really have to understand how to build and develop products that become the baseball of how companies make money. So that's a skill set that is highly transferable, but it's also in demand, right? 
good product managers are hard to come by. So that is if that's a skill set that you're building, that's going to allow you to be highly competitive, right? I mean, I'm at a place now where I am not looking for a job, but because my outbound presence, especially on LinkedIn, is so strong and really focused to product management, I get recruiters that reach out to me all the time and saying, Hey, do you want to apply for this job? Hey, there's a director of product. Do you want to apply for this job? Well, you know what I'm saying? So that's what I mean by developing that in-demand skill set. And it doesn't always have to be technical coding languages, right? I, I want to get us also to understand that in-demand skills can be something like project management. Project management is an in-demand and highly transferable skill that yes, you could become a project manager. That's a career path in itself. But if you look across job descriptions for many of these six-figure jobs that many of us want, project management is almost always the first thing that a recruiter is saying that they're looking for, right? Someone who can easily get a project from start to finish and doesn't need to be handheld on how to do that, right? So that's what I mean by understanding some in-demand skill sets. Now, you could think of it in terms of the industry that you want to break into, right? I mean, a lot of people who are like, yeah, I want to be in cybersecurity. I want to be in cloud computing, right? So the skill set might be different there. But if you are someone who has a college degree, for example, hell, has a master's or other advanced degrees, for example, you have years of work experience and you're listening to this podcast, I promise you, you have transferable skills that you could be using to earn a lot more money. I mean, project management comes to mind, stakeholder management comes to mind, data analysis. And these are just ones that I'm just thinking off the top of my dome. So I think it's important for us to really do that research to kind of see what are the companies that I want to work for? What roles are they hiring for? And as I really read through those job descriptions, are there skills that they're asking for that I already have in my arsenal Or is it as simple as me just taking a few weeks to really reinvest in some of these skills so that I can make myself more marketable and more competitive? Love it. Love it. No, I think it's so true, right? We all have skills, right? I know oftentimes we don't think in our current roles at our jobs, we're like, oh, well, I don't have the skills to be a project manager or a product manager. But it's like really looking internally and understanding what are those transferable skills I know even for me, like I'm a project manager. I definitely relate to you in terms of like, that's an in-demand field, getting calls and whatnot, or being tapped on for opportunities. Everyone has project management experience, right? If you work, <laughs> if you work, right? Like every- If you work, right? If you volunteered, if you led a club, exactly. So it's really reflecting on yourself and, and what you've done in your career so far to really understand what those transferable skills are for your career path. Yeah. And you know, I think that we have been almost brainwashed in a sense to think that if we don't have these very specific degrees or these like ribbons of credibility, that we aren't able to break into some of these other career paths or job opportunities that are exist out there. And I want everyone that's listening to really take away from this idea that if you are looking to pivot into a new job, for example, and you're a little bit overwhelmed by what the job description is telling you, remember that if you can match at least 60% of what the job description is telling you, you should absolutely be applying to that job. I think sometimes we close the door before we even know what's possible because we have been telling ourselves, well, I don't have the specific thing that they're looking for, but I'm just going to totally reject the idea that I actually have all these other skills that they're looking for. right? And I think as we all know, because I'm sure we've all worked jobs where we've been completely new to the team, there's so much that you're going to learn on the job. So don't close that door before you even have an opportunity to build those relationships, get that context, maybe even get an offer because 
you were just like, oh, I don't think that I even qualify for this job because I don't have this one little skill that I'm looking for, let alone the fact that I have all these other ones that apply to this job description. That's 100% true. Like, apply to the job anyway. I know we've been at companies where we see someone who's hired for this role and they're like, we're like, how did they get that job? So, you know, if they were able to do it, you should have the confidence in yourself that you're able to do it as well. A lot of jobs will teach you on the job, right? They just want to make sure that you're competent and you're quick to learn. You know, there's a fit, personality fit with the team. You fit the right profiles. And that's something that you're a master through interview and everything. But 100% agree. I made the transition from a finance background to product as well. And I had, if I looked at the job description, I would have been like, no, I, I don't. I hit through the checklist, but I was able <laughs> yeah. to make make the transition. And it was definitely the steps that I took, anyone can take as well, right? Which is one, just having confidence, practicing, learning who you're interviewing with, what are they looking for, and then executing on every decision based upon your experience, with, but speaking in their language when answering questions. So I definitely agree with those sentiments. You know, Sania, this has been just a great episode. Like, I think you shared a lot of a lot of just good gems, right? And especially in this time of uncertainty, right? Like in the job market, in the economy, these are really useful tips that people can start taking action on today, such as networking. Like, this is the time, guys, to start meeting people in your company, looking at different departments and seeing like, hey, let me learn more about this team and what they do. Maybe this is a good team for me to transition to. This is the time to start developing those in-demand skills, right? There's so many free resources out there today for any and everyone to just learn new skills. If you don't know how to manage a project, I'm sure you can go on YouTube and there are a number of videos that you can watch to learn about project management. Or if you're interested in product management like Sania or RJ, you know, there's just a wealth of information today that we have access to to learn about new career paths that are new to us that we didn't have before. Yeah. And then lastly, out of your journey over the last couple of years, what did you say that you learned about yourself from when you were making 48000 to today where you're helping yeah. other people grow their wealth and get into product? Ooh, that's such a... That is a great question. I was not expecting. I have really come to terms with how great of an executor I am, right? That like... I think that's why I'd probably do so well in product management in particular is because I really know how to kind of just create and carve out my lane. I mean, I think about the fact that January 2020, I had no presence, no credibility. I had zero followers on this account that I started to call Flynance. I messed up the name when I was making the page. That's why I got a fly.nance on it. Like, but I think what I took away from that was that like I just kept going. I kept going. I kept executing. I kept firing. And I think that's made me successful as a product manager. It continues to make me successful as a content creator, as an entrepreneur, because it's just like, you're not going to stop me, right? Like, I'm going to pivot. I'm going to figure out. I'm going to take from these lessons that I've learned, the data that I'm gathering from this experience. And I'm just going to make it better and improve it for the future, right? Iterate, right? You're going to iterate. I'm going to iterate, right? So I'm not going to let any obstacle keep me from my goal. So I think that's one thing that I've learned about myself. Like... So much over the past couple of years that I now know as my truths are things that I've learned. So I hope that anyone that's listening can also empathize and understand that for yourself, even if you see yourself being a mogul, a real estate developer, you know, owning your own business, whatever that thing is for you, like you absolutely can transform your life, your money, your career 
but it's about those habits that you start to pick up and do every day, right? As long as you keep iterating, keep firing, you're going to get to your goal. I definitely believe that. I love it. I love what you said that executing and right. Execution is key. Even in terms of just personal finance goals, right? It takes execution for you to meet your goals. And we're not saying perfect execution as you alluded to. It's just about taking action, consistent action, small steps to whatever it is that you want to achieve in your life. Yeah. And and it comes down to at the end of the day, we already have the information a lot of times. It's just we never take that first step. We have information overload nowadays. So if you ask someone, oh, what do I need to do? Oh, I need to update my resume. I need to find transferable skills. They already know that. It's just (laughs) the fact of doing it, right? So our challenge to all our listeners today is just to take that first step forward and have that conversation with that person. Save all of the projects and everything that you've done so far so you can understand where you've been so you can make sure you can have a plan for where you want to go forward. Love it. Love it. Okay. Thank you so much, Sania, for just all of the great gems that you you. shared on this episode. You know, for those that want to keep up with you, that for those that want to be a nine to five hottie, (laughs) where can they find you and connect with you? Yeah, of course. You can connect with me across all platforms at Flyance. Head to my website, flyance.com. That's F-L-Y-N-A-N-C-E-D com to learn more about me, get all the links to all the ways that you can work and learn from me. And definitely, you know, send me a message or an email or DM letting me know that you heard me on the Rich by Intention podcast. I'd love to hear from you. Love yes, it. Thank so you much for, for joining. joining us. This was so much fun. Yay. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you like what you heard, hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram at Rich by Intention for money tips and inspiration. 